2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: And a good morning to all of you watching here on SportsGrid. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mitch, Joe Pizapia. I hope you had a great July 4th weekend. It's great to be here with you. Joe and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. We are live. We are refreshed. We're ready to talk some fantasy sports, some reality. We got some football discussion, some baseball discussion. We cover it all. What's going on, Joe? Good morning.
3: My goodness, we are versatile. I love us some us, let me tell you. In the words of T.O., yeah, man, it was a fun July 4th weekend. That's for damn sure. Lots of sparklers and fireworks and overeating and pool and uh, sunburn for my beautiful bald head. But... It was, a, it was a good weekend. I know you were jam-packed as well, but uh, that wasn't the only thing that was happening this weekend because there was a whole lot of COVID testing going on in Major League Baseball, my friend.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and, and certainly uh, from a positive perspective, only 1% of of Major League Baseball's players tested positive among the ones that they tested, and 38 players overall. But since that has happened, of course, other players are testing positive in addition to that, And as we surmised, a very significant amount of names that, for those people who watch us for fantasy perspective, have to be just banging their head against the wall right now. Because it is going to become a very, very difficult proposition, honestly, to even play any fantasy baseball league this year after the weekend. (laughs) Just to give you an idea of some (laughs) of the things that happened. Uh, And you're looking at it now. Freddie Freeman, Miguel Sano, DJ LeMayhew, Aaron Nola, among others. All test positive for COVID-19 because of HIPAA laws and because of player sensitivity. We are hearing very little about what symptoms anybody is having, possibilities coming back or not. Outside of Freddie Freeman's wife posting a very heartfelt message on Instagram, we hope that all of these players are not going through what Freddie Freeman is going through. And even the manager of the Braves said so himself, Mm -hmm. unlikely to see Freddie Freeman at least at the start of the season, if not longer, maybe the whole year. Uh, David Price of the Los Angeles Dodgers, who donated money to all of the minor league prospects in the Dodgers organization and was ready to make his shining debut with his new team in L.A., opted out of the 2020 season. He will not play for the Dodgers this year. On top of that, if you thought the news couldn't get any stranger or worse, Instead of having a uh, pitching fence in front of him, Masahiro Tanaka decided first day out, nah, I'll just throw a heater to John Carlos Stanton. Ugh. He gets smashed in the head. Good news for Tanaka is that he's out of the hospital and we'll see him back on the mound soon. And then finally, I know this didn't really affect fantasy all that much, but we do uh, need to note here, although he is saying that he's planning on coming back next year, another opt-out for a I don't know, maybe potential Hall of Famer was approaching 3,000 strikeouts. Uh, King Felix opted out of the 2020 season. Now, keep in mind, uh, Joe and I have talked about this quite a bit, both on in the air and off the air. There are a lot of other players, and Will Smith, and you know, players in Miami, and Tampa, and, and the Mets. They're talking about the players that haven't been there at these practices. It's a lot to unpack. I mean, we could literally go minute by minute, get an update, and change it for you here on the show. But that's the general overview of it. And I got to tell you, Joe, this weekend in particular, um, hearing Mike Trout say he may not play, hearing Buster Posey, who's a future Hall of Famer, no not fantasy, but a future Hall of Famer say that he may opt out. Hearing Andrew Miller, one of the heads of the Players Association, say, I'd be lying if I told you that I thought that we were going to play this baseball season with 100% certainty. Uh, I'm going to remain optimistic that they are going to play, but I uh, sent out a tweet this weekend and I'm going to stick by it unless people are begging me to be in a fantasy baseball league this year and a season-long league, I think I'm out. I, I think that this has just become too much to overcome. Um, unless I'm doing this the night before the season and it's for fun, I, I can't put my hard-earned money guessing who is going to get sick or not. And, and And it sounds horrible to say... Uh, I feel like in baseball, I can give you an edge on things. I can tell you when players are going to get called up. I see the players in the minors. I talk to executives. I feel like that's a big advantage for me. I'm at a huge disadvantage, as, as are everybody else not knowing. So if it's for fun, great. But if this is for any sort of legitimacy, I think it's got to go after I saw this weekend. It was a tough oh, yeah. uh, pill to swallow seeing big
3: names uh-huh. uh, having this happen to. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. I kind of feel like I already need a break. Like, I, we need to take a break and come back and try to unpack it all, because it's a lot. Uh, but you're absolutely right. I mean, some of those emails going back and forth about towers, wars, I just kept rolling my eyes. I was like, guys, you talk about, you know... <laughs> yeah, I, people don't know what futility. you're talking
0: about. So no, but I,
3: I'm going to explain it. Oh, I will. Okay. An exercise and futility, going back and forth about whether or not to draft or redraft. And as they're going back and forth about this, basically the futility of... Every every hour there was another release of another name of another player, or another situation. And you're like, well, what are we doing? Like, like, is it does it matter if you draft the day before the season starts? It might be better. It, it
0: may not. But it's it the only not. way to do it. It is
3: the only way to do it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, there's a lot to unpack here, too, because you go back to, let's say, the, the Dodger situation with David Price, you know, Yes, Mookie Betts was the linchpin of that deal, but I think getting David Price was a big deal for them, too. It's one of those things where that deal keeps getting worse all the time for the Dodgers when you think about it. It's like, man, it's like now we don't have David Price. And, well, that was a big deal in the middle of that rotation to have him after Bueller and Kershaw. Right. So that's a that's a big deal. I mean, you know, you just lost a one hundred and sixty two game season into a 60 game season. And now you're losing that player for however many starts you thought you were going to get out of him this year. And look, health is first and foremost, everybody's health should be at the forefront and anybody who does not want to play or has circumstances. We've said from the get go on this show, there is no shame. There is nothing to, to worry about not playing. I mean, this is your life here. This is more than just your career. And they're in a position, many of these players, or some of them, at least that they don't have to go to work that year. They can live off the millions of dollars some of them have made. Other players don't have that luxury. And it's those other players and the greed, I think, overall that exists in sports and and in capitalist society that I think is going to drive a season to happen. So at the end of the day, I always say this on the show, greed always wins. And I think it will. And the product you get of Major League Baseball might not be the David Prices or some of the other guys there, potentially. It could be a lot of other players. It might look a lot different to you because not everybody's in that same financial position in terms of risk-reward. So you have to take that into account, too. Now, the good news is, like you said, the percentage of people who tested was very low. The bad news is that it was a few names big enough that it makes everybody go (gasps) and gasp for a moment. And that's fair. And I think that was expected to a certain extent and I'm sure there will be more to come. But I think when you're unpacking all of this, the one thing you could also take from a positive note is Giancarlo Stanton looked healthy man did he hit that ball really hard off Tanaka's face poor Tanaka poor Stanton too I feel like this guy is just snake bit no matter what he does I feel like just bad news like happens to him or follows him it's you could see his reaction I felt so bad for Tanaka but I felt kind of bad for Stanton too because immediately he went oh god what happened just now what am I doing uh but at least he looked healthy swinging the bat I guess that's a positive right like uh uh, silver lining in a cloud. Yeah,
0: I mean, if you want to <laughs> talk about a guy smashing another guy in the head, it's a positive.
3: I can't. I, I'm trying to lighten the mood here. I mean, you're killing well, fantasy baseball. We gotta baseball. keep it real. You're we killing. Keep it real. I know. We are keeping it real. And look, if we're keeping it real, I think a two percent positive test rate is not the worst case scenario. If I told yeah, you but, that, yeah, but a two percent positive
0: among the guys that they tested this week, Joe, a lot oh, of how guys. How many are a left to test. test? I guess
3: that's the question: is how many have they tested overall, and how many are left to test. Now, you might have a well, better some gauge. Players,
0: some players called their teams and said, I tested positive wherever I am. I'm not coming. And, right. and then I'll be back in a week or two. I mean, that that didn't count. Those right. didn't go along those. They, it was called the intake test. It was before they got into the park, they got tested. Mm-hmm. And then they you know waited for their results and then came back. But there's a lot, there's a group of players that, that had it before, that are, like, quarantining right now. That that didn't count.
3: And know? are we talking about hundreds? Like, where is that number right now?
0: I don't know, but... but every, Well, that's the thing. Like, we There's, can't a, a, there's speculation for every team. Like, all you have to do is take a look at a Major League Baseball reporter who's covering a team, and he's tweeting out names of players who are
3: not there, and they don't know why. And we know why. Well, we know why. We know why. Right, so there you but, go. But so there's
0: more than one player on every team.
3: But if we get to a point where there's a couple weeks where they do this and then theoretically if you do that properly and the other players are tested every day and doing the things that they're doing isn't there a scenario where in a few weeks time we have a very healthy potential major league baseball population going back to work is there nothing that looks like that i don't think so that's sad that that's very sad because after all the back and forth i I
0: think i think the the false hope is hard
3: for people the false hope is going to be tough
0: I think, well, first of all, uh, you know, Adam Wainwright yesterday said that um, he spoke to the team and he said that if he finds out any of the young guys are doing something they're not supposed to do, they're going to they're going to have it handed to him. Um, that's the problem, Joe. That is the problem.
3: Well, now. that is a that is a big problem. But that's what organizations need to step into, not just the players. Yeah, because but Adam it's Wainwright. Too late once it face. happens, it's too late. That's I understand. The point. I understand that. But what's a player going to do? What are they going to do to you? Uh, the ownership. Oh, can no, find. but no, but it's just words. But but again,
0: but this, I know. But they this need is to why, be more than just even though words. with the Miami Heat having all their players testing positive, this is why the NBA has a little bit of a better handle on it because they're all going to be in one spot. Now it could blow up immediately if everybody's in one spot. That's true too. Mm-hmm. But if the NBA is in this bubble and it's being policed and it's 150 billion dollars or whatever it is to keep the guys all in the same spot and they're all healthy, that thing is going to play. But in baseball. I mean, if one dude goes out after a game, Joe, and doesn't
3: listen, it ruins it for the whole league. Well,
0: they don't have a bubble.
3: Yeah, but like I said, what's what's gonna what's the incentive for the like outside of their own personal health? You need to put other what's, guidelines in there. I don't know, like you know that you know certain areas and certain things are are restricted for them for the season. And and think about it, like if you are a nurse, right. For the last couple of months, you were going to work and coming home. You weren't going out to restaurants because they were closed. You weren't going out to bars because right. they were closed. So it's not asking a whole lot of a baseball player making a lot more every year than you a would nurse think so, Joe. to be it's able to. Did you see the videos of people job. partying I,
0: July Fourth? I weekend.
3: did, brother. Making I did.
0: You, you I would you would think so, and it's not for them individually. It's for everybody else,
3: and it's for people like Mike Trout, who's, right. who's it's like the to have a
0: baby soon. Right. You know, it's the,
3: it's he's wearing a mask
0: running around the field.
3: A lack of consideration for other people that's is it mind-blowing. It's, it, it's sad. Don't worry about yourself. Just take care of your other people
0: if you want to get the season played, and hopefully they will. But again, we'll cover it for you. Players, issues, everything that's going on in baseball as we creep closer. Every day feels like a year getting closer to baseball, but we'll uh, we'll have the full Major League Baseball schedule. Joe and I will break that down on Tuesday's edition of the show. All right, uh, coming up next, it's time for this day in fantasy sports birthdays and this day in fantasy sports history. It's a big historical day in the fantasy football community because essentially one of the most important fantasy football drafts in July partakes today, and it's going on right now. It's something called Scott Fishbowl. And if you've never heard of it, you'll want to stay tuned because a little bit later, it's a fantasy football league and tournament, essentially, that uh, benefits charity. It's called Fantasy Cares. And it's really super important this time of the year to start thinking about those sort of things because as we all don't really have mm-hmm. this discretionary in- income to be able to, you know, do what we wanted to do. A lot of people have lost their jobs. This is one league that is really speaking to that. So yeah. uh, Scott Fish will uh, be on with us a little bit later.
3: And and just real quick, if you buy a fantasy black book on Amazon this week, we are donating a portion, just like we did the last two weeks, uh, two years, excuse me, uh, to those fantasy cares uh, donations. So. If you're going to get a black book, now's the time. Do something for a good cause.
0: All right. And we'll be back right after this on Fantasy Sports Today.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today for this Monday. Craig and Joe back with you as we take a look at this day in fantasy sports history for July the 6th as we move forward toward the month of july and everything that goes along with it and joe uh, a lot of you know baseball all-star game discussion this month we'll also talk a little bit of wimbledon a little bit of golf and of
3: course some baseball as well so we'll dive right into it yeah hopefully some home run derby stuff will pop up too because i'm a sucker for a good home run derby i you don't care what the format is i don't know i just like it uh, I enjoyed the, of course the Josh Hamilton one. Everybody remembers. We remember the great one in Fenway park was tremendous. Uh, last couple years, actually, I, I like the change to the format that we've had. I think it's uh, the better way of doing it, but I don't know, man, I just like the home run Derby. So of, of all the things around the all-star game, I will miss that the most. Uh, maybe we'll get one. Who knows? Maybe that's all we'll get. I don't know. But uh, yes, definitely uh, there will be some Midsummer Classic memories hopefully coming up in the weeks ahead. Yeah, uh, hopefully
0: so. And um, you know, certainly the Home Run Derby has taken on, I-, I think, really the primary role is uh, for-, for the All-Star Week for sure. It's become the most exciting thing that baseball does during that period of time. But uh, let's get started and go back to 1933. This is the first ever Major League Baseball All-Star game, and wouldn't you know, in it, Babe Ruth homers, and the American League beats the National League by a score of 4-2. Now, if you fast forward 50 years later, this is really the one of the first All-Star games that I really remember well, uh, and I remember watching it at the time. Uh, Fred Lynn hit a grand slam, mm. and he's the only player at the time to ever hit a grand slam in an All-Star game, Joe. And um, I remember you know, sort of being an Angels fan and being a fan of his. And I know Reggie Jackson was on the team at the time, too. But it's like you always sort of remember uh, different points of your childhood in sports. Yeah. And this was one that I definitely uh, remember happening at
3: the time. Yeah, I was still a little small on this one. But I remember seeing all of those, you know, those half-hour little things they used to run back in the day on ESPN of, you know, this was the 1983 All-Star Game. And you got to see all these guys there. But uh, I remember this moment. And seeing it and learning about it there. And Fred Lynn, look, one of those great, bright, shining careers, Uh, started with a rookie of the year, was uh, one of the up and coming guys with the Boston Red Sox in the mid 70s. And and I don't know if his career ended up, I guess, where the trajectory thought that it would. He had some good years there with the Angels as well. And then uh, a few other teams after that. But Fred Lynn was one of those really good five tool kind of players. And I don't know if it's because of, you know, the big market hype or what have you, or maybe, you know, just maybe more of a good player than a great player. But we think back on Fred Lynn's career, would you say it was a great career or a good career?
0: I would say it was an above average all-star career for
3: sure. Okay. Uh,
0: I don't don't know that it's a Hall of Fame career, but it's certainly uh, up there. He Mm -hmm. uh, was, you know, part of some magical moments for sure with the Red Sox. And a lot of people don't even realize that he continued to play like deep into the 80s and even, I believe, uh, close or into the 90s, too. Played with the Orioles. Yeah, the late race. 80s, I remember, towards the end. I don't.
3: Did he cross over to the 90s, Craig? I can't remember.
0: 89 he played, I know that. So yes. I, don't, I don't know if he went to 90 or 91, but yeah, a really high-level player for a long time. Uh, speaking of that, in 1989, Mike Schmidt decided to call it quits, realized very early on in that season that he was finished. But he did make the all-star ballot and uh, did end up winning the all-star vote at the time, uh, but he was retired. It was the first time ever that that happened in baseball, Joe,
3: really. Now, here's a childhood memory for me. This was my first ever trip to Cooperstown that weekend as a kid. So uh, we were able to get up there. It was the year that uh, Carl Yastrzemski and Johnny Bench were getting in. And uh, when we got up there, Mike Schmidt retired. <laughs> so, like, the, the place was buzzing and all these things going on. I remember getting to see uh, two days at Cooperstown and then getting home right before the all-star game. And the most amazing part was that was the Bo Jackson home run all-star game. So we got mm-hmm. home literally right before turned the all-star game on. And I was like, whew, just made it. There we go. Okay, Bo's up. Boom. Home run. <laughs> it was like, I really, like two seconds later before I turned on the TV, I would have missed it. This is before the DVR, before all that stuff, so I would have missed that moment altogether. But uh, that was one of those amazing, like, iconic baseball memories for me as a child that got to go out and that whole, you know, experience Cooperstown, the Mike Schmidt news dropping, all these things happening, and, of course, the Bo Jackson home run. So it was a it was a wild 1989 summer in July for me as a kid those few days for sure. For sure, uh,
0: 2003, Roger Federer, who many people uh, think you know, past Pete Sampras is one of the best uh, you know tennis players of all time. No one saw that coming with all the Grand Slams that Sampras won, but Federer wins his first Wimbledon title back in 2003 on this day in sports history, and then in 2019, a day that I think that surprised a lot of people in sports, especially in the NBA. Considering I don't think that one NBA analyst got this signing right meaning none, uh, Kawhi Leonard signed a max deal uh, not to stay in San Antonio, not to go to the L.A. Lakers, not to go to anywhere else but the Los Angeles Clippers. And, of course, Paul George followed suit. But, um, you know, this is you know something that really chased, uh, changed the face of the franchise, Joe. For a long time, the Clippers have always been, uh, the you know, the stepchild to the Lakers. And this absolutely put the Clippers on the map, without a doubt.
3: Absolutely. And hopefully when we get back to action, the NBA will be able to uh, experience them again, because wouldn't that be a story, right? The Battle of Los Angeles. That would be certainly fun. Only one's going to get to a final. So definitely looking forward to that. And as a Mets fan, I understand what it's like to live in the shadow of the big brother. Let me tell you, the Yankees, uh, most of my life, sans the early mid 80s. It was pretty tough there. It's always been pretty tough, especially that run in the 90s. Ugh, not so much. But so Clipper fans, I get you. But it's kind of tough. Like, how, how do you grow up as a Clipper fan? I always wonder that. Like, if you live in the greater L.A. area. How does that happen? Like, how do you not end up a Laker fan? I would imagine. Like, what's that segment? Do you know a Clippers fan, Craig? Uh, I'm Billy Crystal comes to mind. All right, that's yeah. Why is that now? Why why is he a Clippers fan? I don't know. He just is. That's a weird combination of things when you think about it. I mean,
0: I, I think the I think the next generation of of NBA fans will be Clippers fans first before Lakers fans. But I certainly yeah. can understand your point in the uh, you know, the Lakers, you know, are one of the two iconic franchises that won a ton of championships and. The Clippers didn't uh, win much, but I think it's possible now.
3: You're I right. I think now it is. Yeah. Anthony Anderson, Brett points out too from Blackish, who's a very funny guy. I remember him all the way back in the day from Hang Time, Brett. I don't know if you were alive for that. You might have been like a really little kid for that, but I remember that too. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, let's hope. Let's hope. Let's even that out a little bit. Get some Clipper love going on. Could be if they win. <laughs> all
0: right. This day in fantasy sports, uh, birthdays for July the 6th. We've got a full list today, that's for sure. 1954, Yankee great Willie Randolph uh, was born. Of course, uh, Willie went on to manage the New York Mets, but certainly had a, a very good career with the uh, Yankees, winning a World Series with them as well. 1968, one of the you know great fantasy-wide receivers with the Dallas Cowboys, Alvin Harper, then got a yeah. monster contract uh, to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, and was a complete bust, unfortunately, for them. But... Um, you know, Alvin Harper, uh, Joe, on the other side of Michael Irvin, was certainly uh, fantastic. And mm-hmm. I guess to this day, you know, some people feel like it was because of Michael Irvin that Alvin Harper became great. And that certainly played out when he got to the Bucks; he was a non-factor completely.
3: Yeah, I think that's very possible. And uh, Willie Randolph, I mean, talk about a great New York baseball name. Period. Had those uh, obviously a really nice long career with the Yankees. Did play for the Mets for a short period of time. Then was Mets manager. Uh, took them on a deep run there. Unfortunately, things did not work out, and he ended up getting replaced. Uh, but uh, a good baseball man, Willie Randolph, and I think a, a really good dude, it seems like, as well. And uh, New York can be a very harsh place and a harsh environment, and uh, I think that that's always tough, and the fact that he can still be a nice guy after going through all of that. I mean, he was literally like the darling for two years with the Mets, getting them to the playoffs, all this excitement, then they fail they fail on the last day of the season. The next thing you know, he gets replaced the next year. And, uh, you know, he still seems like a pretty good guy. Doesn't seem bitter about it, which is pretty amazing. I guess he kind of understands the environment. But Willie Randolph, man, talk about a long career in New York baseball. That is not an easy thing to do.
0: Yeah, was uh, was a coach, I believe, with Milwaukee as well. Yes. 1980 uh, Paul Gasol, future Hall of Famer, I would guess, in the NBA for sure. 1982, Brandon Jacobs, running back, who was part of the Thunder and Lightning with Tiki Barber. A lot of uh, scarfing down those vulture touchdowns from Tiki Barber in the fantasy years, that's for sure. 1992, uh, Manny Machado, the great Manny Machado, of course, of the San Diego Padres. 1994, Andrew Benatendi, who a couple of years ago, the trajectory looked like a perennial all-star and superstar, had a little bit of a, a down year, I would think, last year, so we'll see if he bounces back. And then Zion Williamson becomes our first or a sec our first male and our second yeah. uh, this day in fantasy sports history birthday from the year 2000. He's the second one uh, on the list. We've had a we've had a female of 2000. We have not had a male. This is our first one. Usually they're before 2000.
3: Yeah, I, I don't like this. This makes me feel old. So let's not do this anymore. Let's uh, let's kind of abandon Monet this. Monet
0: Davis was the other.
3: One. That's right, Monet Davis. Well, she was a fun one. So I'm glad she made the list there. And Zion and you obviously. I see 2000. Great
0: too. It's like, oh my
3: I see gosh. 2000, and uh, yeah, I, I, you know, that's not good. Yeah, <laughs> we gotta, gotta start sleeping in the cryogenic chambers like Tom Cruise or something like that to stay young. I don't know, but uh, 2000 is definitely jarring whenever you see that number. So let's not talk about that. Let's go backwards and let's talk about. Uh, Manny Machado, who I think as a player we still forget is as young as he is. We kind of take for granted the fact that he came up at 20 years old and he's been around the league for a while and he's been on a few teams now. But Manny Machado is still in his prime and has a lot of good years ahead of him. And the San Diego Padres organization, I think, is looking like a real contender for the next two years or so if they can get a couple more of those ancillary pieces right. That's what we're looking for here. And I feel like. You know, I understand there's been some immaturity issues at Machado. He was a guy early in his career. We remember the fight with Josh Donaldson. We remember a couple other moments there with some other pitchers and some other things. And he's, I think, the classic tale of a guy who has a ton of talent, came up very young, struggled a little bit with the maturity levels of what it means to be a big leaguer and all of that. And I feel like, or at least I'm hopeful that in this next wave of his career, he can transition out of that. Now, some players never do but some players do. We've seen guys come up and have that same kind of swagger and attitude and things like that. Like somehow they're bigger than the game. And then they've kind of realized, Hey, you know what? Like, I don't need to be like that all the time. I can change. And I can actually be a mentor to some of the younger guys who are like that and kind of, you know, change as I get into my thirties of my career. I hope we see that path with Machado because as far as talent goes, I feel like, especially this year, he was one of the most underrated guys, even on his own team, Craig. Most people are talking about Fernando Tatis Jr. Most people are talking about some other things going on there and Chris Paddock and all this stuff. But, hey, guys, it's Manny Machado still. Like, he is the straw that serves the drink over there uh, for the Padres. So I hope that we start to, you know, kind of reacclimate ourselves because in fantasy drafts this year, he was kind of going later than he should have, in my opinion. People forgetting this is a 3,100-type talent. So in your mind, what, what's the future of Manny Machado going to look like here? Is this a Hall of Fame talent we're watching or a guy that's going to be in the Hall of Very Good?
0: I, I think that he'll, I mean, look, it's hard to say Hall of Fame after a few years, but I, mm-hmm. I think he'll continue to be a, a superstar in the big leagues for sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And and he has now, you know, a piece of that swagger, I think, that somewhat is required for that too. But look, there's no doubt that uh, there's a lot of pressure on the Padres, and I think that over the next year or two that they're going to have to start winning because they've been down for so long. And as a general manager, you don't get that opportunity for 10 years of losing. I mean, you just don't. So uh, bringing in Machado for $300 million and some of the other moves that they made, they're going to have to start seeing the results of that for sure. All right, coming up next, a lot of players are uh, out of the 2020 uh, baseball season. So we'll start diving into those and also a great fantasy football conversation with Scott Fish about his Scott Fish Bowl 10. We'll have an explanation on exactly what that is if you haven't heard of it coming up in a little bit. Don't go away.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. is
3: sports grid get on the grid
0: and welcome back to fantasy sports today craig and joe here with you and as we suspected there would be a rash of major league baseball players uh testing positive for covid 19 um i believe we also probably expected there would be a rash of players that are opting out of the 2020 season we're literally only two days into this and i think that uh, a lot more is to come on both ends and so Here on Fantasy Sports Today, from both a fantasy and reality point of view, we'll cover it for you and sort of tell you what the alternatives could be for you. If you are playing in fantasy baseball in a season-long league in 2020, or if you are uh, planning on redrafting or doing anything, we'll uh, certainly keep you updated on all that. So um, understand that there is some sensitivity with this, and not all of it is being reported. Some of it is being sourced, so just keep some of that in mind. And, uh, you know, certainly we're not trying to break any laws here. We're just telling you what has been reported and regurgitating that. And uh, from Miami's perspective, I'll tell you what I know as well.
3: Yeah. All right. Let's not uh, get arrested, so, please, Craig. Like, I mean, I can't lose you here. Not for the show, right? I mean, who's going to do birthdays with me if I lose you? No, not for any show. I don't want to lose you, period. Please don't go to jail. I don't I don't think jail would be a good situation for you. We'll, we'll you know. try to avoid it. We'll Although talk. you could break some news between different rival gangs, potentially. Yeah, Maybe you would be, be. you could be like an information guy. You know, you know, I was like, hey, I just want you to know maybe you're the, the squealer to the warden and you're breaking news Good to everybody. Game. You never know.
0: I may just have saying. to pick a side in jail.
3: <laughs> a lot of tattoos for Craig Mish yeah. coming up. AL,
0: NL, you know. Does
3: Craig Mish have a tattoo? I guess that's a question. I'm going to vote you know, no. You know,
0: it, it's it's a, it's a fair question and one that I can put to rest for you forever for asking that question just to educate you. And again, it doesn't Oh, does that's right.
3: Oh, forget. Never mind. I just remembered why. Never mind. You don't. What's the reason? Well, because in the in the Jewish religion, uh, it is a sin to uh, desecrate one's body. This is true. Well. I know a lot of Jews
0: who get tattoos, um, but where in you know in my practice, and I you know I, listen, I can't speak for anybody else, and everybody's entitled to their own opinion. It's not something that my generation of family ever did. So, gotcha. Don't think that we will. Well, um, I don't
3: want prison to change you. So, <laughs> get a tear right here.
0: All right, here we go. Uh, okay, a lot we we have uh, we're going to cover three uh, situations today. I'm there are a lot more. We're not ignoring anybody, but just for this uh, particular 15-minute conversation, we're going to cover three situations. The first is as everybody knows by now if you've been following it over the weekend, David Price who was traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers in the offseason along with Mookie Betts from the Boston Red Sox and was scheduled to make a boatload of money in 2020 put out a statement over the weekend saying that he is opting out of the 2020 season. Now, certainly, David Price is no longer the player that he once was, Cy Young Award winner with the Rays, and a very high-level pitcher, a pitcher that if he continues to pitch, his name may come up in future conversation for Hall of Fame consideration. He has been that good. Uh, But 2020 is over for him. He will come back, of course, in 2021. What does this do potentially for the Los Angeles Dodgers? Because specifically... This is a really good team. So, or For now, it's a really good team. I mean, that could change next week, but for now, it looks like a really good team. Uh, Price last year was 7-5 and five with a 4.28, and the name that will come up quite a bit and now may more or less be forced to start, and they love using him in sort of swing rolls and things like that, but it looks like Dustin may, if the Dodgers go through five guys, which they probably will at this point, because most teams have basically said that no is going more than five innings the first week or two. So Dustin May uh, comes into the picture. He was 2-3 and three with a 3.36, three-earned run average after making a handful of starts last year. But that's all he'll have to do this year is make a handful of starts. So uh, May is the one, I think, Joe, that in particular probably for now gets a little bit of a, a bump in both value and from a reality point of view. If you follow the Dodgers, this is the name, I think, that jumps in there.
3: Well, sure, and one of the best nicknames as well, too, Ginger Guard. I mean, that is just a fantastic nickname. He's a big, tall guy with the flaming red hair coming out. Uh, And look, Dustin May, certainly one of the better guys there in the Dodge organization, a pipeline of pitching that continues to you know, bring you the Walker Buellers or the Uriuses and now May and some other guys too I want to talk about but first I want to just run back on David Price for a moment if I may because David Price for me this was a very pivotal year for him and obviously now 60 games becomes less pivotal so now we are to have to go into the next season to really see what's going on because we're gonna to have to get rid of our verbiage and our mindset of well you're moving from the AL to the NL there's no DH anymore like that's that's I think a mindset we're gonna to have to eventually come to grips with you can't Use that as an excuse now or all of a sudden to move to the National League is going to be easier for pitchers because it's not. It's going to be a level playing field for pitchers, which I think is also a good thing when you're talking about awards and and evaluation of talent. Uh, And now that we're looking at David Price, you do kind of want him to get into a more pitcher friendly environment at the very least. And Dodger Stadium is that certainly compared to Fenway Park. He does have a few years left. I think all of you long term David Price owners, I wouldn't jump ship quite yet on him. Uh, I do think next year going forward, look, a year off on the tires is not a bad thing for David Price, a guy who's got a fair amount of tread on those tires and on that arm. So maybe a year off is is a good thing in a sense in terms of, you know, the life of a player in terms of their career. So I would look at that uh, with David Price, long term dynasty keeper situations. Now, May, I don't think, is the only guy in this. I want to throw in Ross Stripling, too, because that's a guy that's come in and had success in that rotation as well. Uh, and another guy that, like you said, kind of like May, can be a swing man back and forth. So that's another name that in fantasy leagues, if you're in a situation looking for some starts, that could potentially see some. So May stripling between those two guys, are you higher on May in 2020? Well, obviously, you know, down the road, he's kind of the more high-level prospect guy that you think is going to be a part of this rotation. But do you think just in 2020 that maybe stripling also kind of enters into this conversation?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think they both do. I, I think that-, that May is the one in particular that has the higher skill set. And so right, if this is a short period of time, I may as well take that chance. If I think problem. that's a great
3: point. Yeah, I think that's point. probably going to be the point at the end of the day, right? Like, for, for a team like the Dodgers, why not right? you feel like you're a good team anyway. let's see what we got in this kid for five six we're, we're
0: we're all guessing with everything in baseball <laughs> and we may and we may as well take the two dice out and go to the craps table and roll on and roll for for big money on anything we can this year i mean that's that's just the truth. Uh, Aaron Nola uh, from the Philadelphia Phillies uh, according to reports also tested positive. Uh, At at least over the weekend or the week before. And again, there's just no timetable for these sort of situations. And NOLA last year was 12 and seven with a 3.87 earned run average. And right now, I mean, there certainly would create the opportunity maybe in week three or week four for the debut of their top pitching prospect, Spencer Howard, who has only had six starts in double A, but I mean, the Phillies don't really have a lot to turn to right now if this becomes a situation where Nola misses an extended period of time. That's also the tough dynamic with this is that some managers are coming out and saying that players are asymptomatic and they may be back soon, and then others and other organizations are not naming any players and telling you anything about anyone, and Nola mm. is in that camp right now. And Girardi mm. has you know, decided from a club point of view— that he is not going to do it, I don't blame him. I understand if players are sensitive to it, and I'm seeing that in Miami, too. They're sensitive to it. They don't want it out there. You know, so be it. So, uh, look, this is just simply to put the information out there and for us to discuss it. And in terms of a direct replacement for Nola, this is impossible. The Phillies do not yeah. have someone if he can't be there. We, Everyone gets a bump up. Wheeler becomes their first starter. I would guess Wheeler will be... They're opening day starter at this point. We are too close to not have that be the case. And from a reality or fantasy perspective, I think what will be interesting for me, Joe, is to see Spencer Howard pitch. I can't say that I would take him any earlier than like the 20th round of any fantasy draft because even if he pitches, what are we talking about? Four starts, five starts. They may roll one through four. Nola may come back. Who knows if he tests negative twice. But to give people the information and the data, and the name, Howard is probably the beneficiary of this if the Phillies choose to go that route.
3: Yeah, and look, Spencer Howard, you mentioned those six starts at double A. He also had six starts in the Arizona Fall League that were dazzling. He had a 2.11 ERA over that period of time, 27 strikeouts, just 10 walks. Uh, he's a guy that got a lot of attention. Uh, the Welsh who actually is appearing on the show today with us uh, talking about prospects. He got to see him pitch live, so he does all the write-ups for the Black Book about the Arizona Fall League prospects and basically how folks do, which is great because you're getting somebody who's there watching, not just somebody who's there reading stat lines, and I think that is something that's comp- – You know, you can't put a price on that in these dynasty keeper leagues, especially the deeper ones. And Howard was the guy that he came away with just absolutely blown away. And he's like, look, this guy is really he's he's having it. He's having his way with some of these top prospects. And it's the guys that he was facing and how well he was handling those batters as well, because some of those big time prospects were there. So Spencer Howard, I think, is going to get a chance here. Uh, One way or another, the Phillies really have to decide if they are in this thing. And I think they want to know. Early on, if they can make this run, and if they can't, then they have to make decisions about guys like Real Muto. But right now, Spencer Howard, I think, is a stock that maybe last week we're on the fence about. This week, I'm not. I think Spencer Howard is going to absolutely get time in that Phillies rotation. I would be shocked if he did not, because I think even over six starts in the Major League level, he can help them enough to maybe get them over that hump as a playoff team.
0: And then the final name is a real big one in both life and in fantasy for sure, and that's Freddie Freeman. And his wife, unfortunately, you know, posted the Instagram post of what he's going through right now. And uh, we'll be optimistic that Freddie Freeman will be fine. We want to keep it that way. But realistic for baseball, it does not appear to be in the equation, uh, maybe not for the whole year. 38 home runs last year, 121 runs driven in. Uh, the Braves yesterday, the reporters who covered the team essentially said, indeed, Austin Riley is going to get those first looks at first base. He had 18 home runs. He drove in 49 runs. Johan Camargo would easily slide over to third base if that's the route that they choose to go. Um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, this is this is one of those you know key reasons is, you know, I mean, I've talked about a million times here on the show about redrafting in fantasy. If you do choose to do it, I mean. This is a, a perfect example of just the beginning of what we're about to experience, Joe, here. Um, you know, a major player in Major League Baseball, a future Hall of Famer in Major League Baseball. Um, Riley will be the beneficiary of this, but, you know, certainly the Braves are are getting hit with this pretty hard right now.
3: Yeah, they are. Look, of all the teams, too, like if Freddie Freeman decides to or is unable to play the entire season, we shall see. Um, if he can come back in a month's time or even a month into the season— this is one team that can sustain a loss like this, not because you can ever afford to lose Freddie Freeman, but you can move Marquecas to the outfield. You can have NCR Markakis, and Acuna out there. And then obviously play Camargo at third. You can play our Ozuna at the DH spot and Austin Riley at first. So you have an enormous embarrassment of riches in that sense in Atlanta, where you can keep this thing going and, it, look, it's very difficult to lose a player, but also from the wagering side, too. This is another thing we've been talking about when we talked about some of the MVPs and things like that. Like, do not put money on these things. Wait as long as you can. If you are just desperate to get involved here, you need to wait and have clarity here, because I think this all but kind of kills those odds. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, betting on anything baseball wise right now doesn't make any sense. Uh, right, but the also,
3: Freeman one specifically, I think you got to kind of
0: take mean, that it, out of here. It's more. It's more than that. I mean, yeah. their their big free agent signing was Will Smith. I mean, and he's and he tested right. positive too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's Atlanta has been hit uh, probably the hardest thus far. Although you know, Philly close behind there. If Nola's going to miss extended time too. And we're uncertain about Mike Trout as well, but we'll leave that for another day. Scott Fish joins us next to talk about Scott Fish Bowl 10. Don't go away.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
3: Yo, welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today, right here on Sports Grid. And our next guest really cares, not just about fantasy, but about well, a lot more than that. He is the creator of the Scott Fish Bowl. And if you're wondering what that is, then I question whether or not you really like fantasy football. Because <laughs> most people really know already by now that the Scott Fish Bowl is basically the official beginning of the fantasy football season for most of us. And it raises a lot of money for a good cause. And it's really grown exponentially i don't know when he sleeps for these few months leading up to it probably not much but he is a handsome bald man like myself <laughs> please welcome scott fish to the program scott thanks for joining us today here on sports grid
4: thanks for having me man this is this is great yeah i i don't get much sleep these days and uh, it keeps growing exponentially you you hit you nailed it on the head it's just uh it's a busy busy time but it's a it's lot become of fun a behemoth. it's how many people are in it this year I made 1,440 people in the SFBX, and then I have another 1,440 in a satellite tournament with the same exact settings going right alongside it. So next week, uh, over 2,800 people will be drafting the same type of league at the
3: same time. Oh, unbelievable that's crazy yeah. and as you can tell by the t-shirt it's got fishbowl nine well so, this this one's
4: x this was last year
3: right that's right there was this is 10 yes. oh my gosh we are in yes. 10 that's why right. i forgot this year now and yeah. uh, so so where did this let's let's get the backstory i'm sure you've told sure. it but you know what a lot of people out here this is your chance on the television screen here for all of our watchers and listeners to to really hear what what made you do this where did this stem from and uh, can you believe where it's grown to? So give me the give me the backstory, because we've all watched Marvel movies. Everybody <laughs> loves a good backstory. So give me the Scott Fishbowl. Backstory. Yes.
4: So it started in 2010 as just a reader league for a site I ran at the time. And that was that's what it was the first two years. Uh, the third year I had closed my site. I was working for a different site, needed a new name, um, went to Twitter and everyone said Fishbowl. Just makes sense for the tournament name to be called yeah. the Fishbowl. But fishbowl.com, fishbowl.org.net, they were all taken. So I just, Scott Fishbowl. And then that's where that, the name originated from. But it was just a reader-listener league. And somewhere along the way, about five, six years ago, um, well, about seven or eight years ago, I started going on radio and podcasts and stuff saying, if if you can, take one of en- your entry fees from your league and give it to charity. You're not going to miss it. Either have the league decide or have the winner decide or whatever just there's a hundred thousand fantasy leagues. We can do a ton of good if each league just gives a little bit. And so I started bringing charitable elements into my leagues and that's what fantasy cares became. And fantasy cares kind of joined with Scott fishbowl. I, I combined those two things to make this one thing, a giant industry event. And through the years, you know, one industry analyst will play like a Mike Clay will play and the next year. Matthew Barry will join because Mike Clay plays. And like right, exactly. it just steamrolls because once a few people play, everyone wants to play. And it's it's become crazy.
3: Now, just just so we have a gauge, what did we raise last year in terms of uh, finances for Toys for Toss or Fantasy Cares? How much money did you guys raise? So last year was
4: 60,000 we raised.
3: That's unbelievable. Yeah, that this, is... this
4: year. Yeah, this year I, I took a little different tact. I looked around. I, I saw what was going on in the world I, with, with COVID and with mm-hmm. racial injustice and all the things that are going on. And I I went out and I said, we're still going to raise money for toys for toys for kids at Christmas time. We're going to do that through our T-shirts, our potathons, right. and eliminators. But for the main donation site, I took I basically pulled it and said, you know what? I'm challenging all of, challenging all of you to donate to what you're passionate about. So we might we might have a little less money for toys this year, but I feel like more people are getting in on the act and giving to charity, whether it be ours or just something they're passionate about. And and I'm glad that that we're able, I'm able to push that that mindset onto people.
3: Yeah, and and I'm right there with you. I think anything we could do, whenever we have a platform, is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, we raise money uh, for in the baseball book for the Fantasy Black Book series Absolutely. for St. Jude's Children's Hospital and uh, for the football book as well, and the week of Scott Fishball. If you buy a fantasy black book on Amazon, I take a portion of the proceeds and I donate them to Fantasy Cares or whatever Scott tells me to donate them. We <laughs> raised a few hundred dollars the last few years. I would like to make it a few thousand this year. We're getting closer okay. to that number. So let's let's try to do that. So if you are thinking about buying the black book or you're on the fence, go get it during the week of scott fishball it's very easy to know just look on twitter because everyone's (laughs) talking about it basically and uh, i promise you like every year we will make that donation we always do and and trying to help people out because look fantasy is our entertainment and if we're all there playing and we can all do some good it makes sense so tell me about the format too because this is one of the more unique formats Tell me why? Why the tight end the premium? <laughs> what's go? What's the logic here? Take, walk me through it because I I want sure. an explanation. I'm sure a lot of other sure. people might too.
4: <laughs> so I change it. I change the format every year to a degree to keep all the analysts on their toes. These it a works. Lot of these yeah. As an a analyst, lot,
3: let me tell you, every year it works, yeah. and I go, what is it this year? What's happening?
4: <laughs> exactly. I don't want it to be some simple format that analysts just walk into and they're like on autopilot. They don't they don't have to think. They don't care about it. Um, I want to change it every year so that they have to actually dive in and try to figure out how to win this new format. Um, each year I try to balance the scoring as much as possible. That's why it's super flex. That's why it's tight end premium. That's why there's little quirks. Th- you've been in the drafts. They are chaotic. They, they Every draft is completely different because I make the scoring in such a way that all the positions are very balanced. Like yeah. the So you can draft just about any strategy and come out and justify it in your head because, because tight ends have a premium, so it's good to draft them. It's super flex. It's good to draft quarterbacks. It's got points per first down, which helps running backs. It's PPR, which helps wide receivers. There's something to something to help
3: each position and make them balanced. It's points for everyone. The other thing he's being charitable about is points. He's giving them away. He's <laughs> just, just giving it. away points wherever he can. Uh, but you're right. It does kind of reprogram your brain, and it does kind of put everyone on a level playing field, which is great because I think that's the other fun part of it is people are playing – in the same league as some of their favorite analysts they're playing in the same league as some of their favorite columnists about fantasy Mm -hmm. sports or podcasters or broadcasters or what have you. And it's great. And I can only tell you from my experience last couple of years, I'm like first, I'm like Ricky Bobby first or last. Like I'm either doing really well and I'm in the playoffs or I am just (laughs) awful in this league. And I don't care. Like it is, it's for a good cause and I'm all in regardless. So uh, I'm going to ask you a question here too. Uh, In your drafts going forward this year, who are some, Scott Fish guys as you're doing research that you're excited about drafting that you think are looking for big 2020s with your bounce back guys, maybe the jujus of the world and guys like that, or, or guys, maybe people are sleeping on that you think have really good value and return on investment in drafts.
4: Mm. Well, man, it really depends on the positions, but Mm -hmm. at running back, I love getting those running backs like the Alexander Madison's and the Tony Pollard's that, that, uh, or even, even as low as an Anthony McFarland, that a guy that can if if there's an injury, he can be a stud back at the end of the season. I love getting those guys laid. At tight end, I love the possible breakout potential of guys like Jono Smith or even Tyler Higby, who kind of broke out at the end of last year and, and they gave him a bigger contract. Uh, it seems like they really want to use him him there um i feel like those are guys you can get late Uh, at wide receiver i love a guy like preston williams if he can get back from his injury guys like that i just i absolutely love his potential the way he played when he was healthy um a little higher up though i i am taking kenny galladay every chance i get (laughs) I i know that's third or fourth third round probably there but I, I just can't stop him. I, I see his career arc is similar to early career DeAndre Hopkins. And I, I, I jokingly call him nook of the North because of that. It's,
3: <laughs> it's. that oh, uh, that is a good nickname. Man. Let yeah. me tell you, I like that one. Yeah. I, I, and you know what? Stafford was on an incredible pace last year too. He was, I know, he was. I know back injuries are scary and all, but, you know, I kept telling everybody last year when I was watching the Lions, I said, look, this team is super competitive. Like if you're mm-hmm. making wagers and stuff like that, where you're just pounding against them, I wouldn't do it. Like they are in the games they are They don't give up. They fight the entire time. And if you notice, too, it's like some backbreaking losses, including that loss to the Chiefs, mm-hmm. where I just felt like that took the wind out of them. Like after that, they weren't the same. And then Stafford got hurt. Just a few weeks later, and I think everything just came crashing down for them. But looking at this year, too, with the two running backs there, too, do you have a preference? Are you a swift guy or a carry on guy when you're looking at the Lions?
4: I'm a Swift guy. I'm I'm very much a Swift guy. And part of me wonders if that's I, I come from a very dynasty background. So the, the the shiny new toy sometimes appeals to me more than it should. But I just I just think Swift's a better back. I, I think that Carrion has a lot of injury issues. I can see them having early season splits, especially with the offseason where they might not get enough reps in training camp. But I feel like if there's a position that that's not going to affect quite as much, it's running back. <laughs> running back might be the kind of position that you know, lack of a training camp, he can still come in, gr- take the rock, and, and run. So, I- I'm more of a Swift guy than than a on guy.
3: All right, the same thing go in Indianapolis for you too. More of a Taylor guy than a Mac guy, I would assume too.
4: I am, but I I, I do think they really like Mac there. I think it's going to be a lot more of a split early on. I I think DeAndre's bet- Swift is a little better than carry on enough and doesn't have the injury risk that he's going to take it over quicker than, than Taylor might. And plus that offensive line in India is great. I can see them both. I can see all three of those backs with Heinz having splitting each other up in this year one for Jonathan Taylor, uh, a decent amount. I, I have trouble. I like all three of them, but I do think there's going to be some splitting.
3: All right. Now uh, I'm a super flex guy. I love that Scott Fishbowl is super flex in there. And uh, I got to ask you, who are some of your favorite QB twos that you're looking at this year that you're speculating that you like uh, in terms of the value? Maybe if you don't get the top guys or maybe you want to yeah. double up in that middle range, this is a quarterback is very interesting this year because you do have that group of veterans, the Brady, Roethlisberger, right. Rivers, Breeze group. And then you've got, you know, these young kids who are kind of just rocking at the top of this. Some other guys too, like Cam Newton who like kind of slips in the middle there yeah, somewhere. So, does. so where do you figure, like in terms of where you're looking for a second quarterback this year? So
4: when I'm looking for a second quarterback, it really depends on what I've done with the first quarterback. If I went right. like a kind of a more like a Kyler Murray, who's got a little more risk, but lots upside, I might look more towards a, a Matt Ryan who I believe had, I believe Matt Ryan had over 300 yards or multiple touchdowns in like 11 of his 14 games last year.
3: Staggeringly He's... underrated every year in Superflex Leagues. I yeah. don't understand why it's, and they throw the ball more than anybody else, which is. Yeah. Like... When do people realize this
4: (laughs) last year? He did miss like a game and a half. And that was the first time he'd missed a a game since avatar was in the theaters. I mean, (laughs) he doesn't, he doesn't really miss, miss, miss many games, even though I know he missed a couple last year, but man, he's, he's a lock for safety uh, when you're looking for a quarterback too. All
3: right. So does it, I got to ask you this, too, because, I mean, I see so many people who are trying to get into the Scott Fish Bowl every year, and you have a, a number here. What's it like when you see that people don't get in and they get frustrated or they're mad or sad about it? Does that kind of blow your mind? Like, it's just a football league, but people are, like, they are trying so hard to crack this nut to get in there. Does that blow your mind, man? It does. It
4: does. And I feel terrible. Over 10,000 people have signed up each of the last two years for oh this league. God, and. I, I could only get 1440 in and that's a crazy amount already so that's why I created that that best ball satellite right, yeah. tournament on the side just so I could help out more people i I do feel bad but it, it's all I can do you well, know I, so I
3: you're helping out so many, plenty of people so yeah. I, let's let's. <laughs> Sixty grand for Toys or Tots last year. Obviously, there's a lot of other charities going on this year for Scott Fishbowl. So yep. if, even if you're not playing at Scott Fishbowl and you want to make a donation, go do it. Again, there's so many great causes out there. And if you want to get a black book at the same time, that week during the draft, when that kicks off, that entire week, we yeah, will donate is. a portion of proceeds. I could do every last three years to Scott Fishbowl with Black Book. So, Scott, thanks for coming on. Best of luck with the league. And don't tell anybody else, no, they can't come in. We're going to hit a break. More fantasy sports today right here on Sports Grid after this.